0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 305 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are recording on, we'll just tell you right out, we're recording on Tuesday, April 6, 2021, right after we recorded episode 304, which we put out yesterday. Today, when you're listening to it, at the earliest that you could be listening to it, I believe, is on Wednesday, April 7th, but uh, as we have teased this episode Prior to this week, we have an interview coming to you today with Paulo Bancaro. He is Duke's top rated recruit who is uh, joining the team next season. We talked to him last week, but before we get to that interview, I am Sam Klein. I am your host. I'm joined by Jason Evans and Donald Wine. Guys, I don't have to ask you how you're doing because we just did this on the previous episode. But Jason, any any last words before I send it over to the Paulo Bancaro interview?
1: No, I'm really excited for folks to hear this, and uh, and for us to do more recruiting stuff. You guys know me; I am the recruiting guru, and uh, I'm I'm excited for the off season and for for Duke to get involved in uh, heavily recruiting some of these, both both the guys who are coming for 2021 and get moving on to 2022.
0: Yes, as we mentioned uh, on a episode recently, and and uh, we still have the survey up. But as we mentioned, one of the things that we're learning from the survey, which you can access at tinyurl.com slash dbrpodcastsurvey is that recruiting is one of the top things that, that folks want to hear more of from us. So we're going to get to more of that. We're, we're going to do our best. Donald Wine is also
2: here. Donald, you're still in Boston down the street from me. What's up, man? So I, I want people out there to check me if I'm incorrect on this, but I believe this is the first commit that we have had on the show since Justin Robinson committed. And we interviewed him uh, based on Jason meeting him and his dad at a Top Golf event uh, years ago, so we've interviewed guys as they get to campus. But I'm pretty sure this is only the second recruit that we have interviewed before they, after they've committed, but before they reach Duke's campus, and far and away the the highest rated recruit
0: that we have had on the show.
1: Actually, actually, Donald, that's not true because I've attended McDonald's All American Game. Um, media days that's true where, yes right where and it wasn't an extensive interview let's be clear what, what we're about to bring you is very different but i have spoken to matthew hurt and wendell moore and rj barrett and zion williamson and cam reddish right. prior to them and trey jones prior to them um arriving at, at, at you know at duke just at the mcdonald's all-american practice
2: stuff. yeah good call but these are the i mean this is an exclusive ain't nobody got what we got so ever that was a, that was a big room people but this is an exclusive we like exclusives
0: yeah. All right, we have we have teased it enough, folks. We're going to uh, play the music, and we will be joined right after this by Duke's incoming five-star recruit, the number three player in the class of 2021, f- power forward Paulo Bancaro. All right, Duke fans, we are now joined by Paulo Bancaro. He is the number three consensus recruit. On 247sports.com, he is the top-rated guy coming to Durham this season, this coming fall, to play men's basketball for Duke. We are very excited to have him. Paulo, thank you for joining us on the DBR podcast, and welcome.
3: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. You know, it's good to talk to some Duke fans, some Duke fanatics, so it's good.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think uh, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be excited to hear from you. We've uh, we've seen a lot of tape. We've heard a lot about you uh, coming into your senior season. You've been committed to Duke now for a few months. So so people have been getting excited about that. We are coming off a season, maybe not the, the best season in recent Duke memory, but one in which Duke featured a really versatile power forward in Matthew Hurt. And we don't know officially what he's doing Uh, coming next season but we know that you're coming in and that you have been billed as a very versatile power forward a guy that can play both inside and out can you tell us a little bit about your game and what you've been working on this season
1: Uh,
3: yeah my game um, has always been versatile Um, I was taught the fundamentals of the game you know at a young age you know my mom playing in WNBA being a, a basketball coach um, that was the first thing she taught me how to do was use my left hand, use the backboard, stuff like that, throw sh- bounce passes. So um, my game's never been super flashy. I kind of developed that later on. But, you know, I've always been fundamentally sound, real versatile. Um, I wasn't always the tallest player. I kind of grew late. So um, perimeter skills and stuff, I was all, you know, as I was younger playing, I'm more on the perimeter. Instead of now, you know, being 6'10", you know, I'm more of a forward. Um, and, yeah, just – Being versatile, being a team player, you know, not being one dimensional, not being a player who can only score, um, but can, you know, get others involved and also bring it on the defensive end, too. I think I'm a real good defender. Um, Yeah. Are
0: are there players either at Duke or in the NBA that you have modeled some of your game after or or taken some tips from?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of players. Um, I've been, you know, always been a student in the game. So I love watching highlights. I love watching film. I uh, love watching, just looking at stats and stuff like that. Um, there's never been a one specific player who I've kind of molded my game after. It's always just been like taking pieces from from kind of whoever I see, honestly. Like if I see a player do a move that I think I could use, you know, I, I try and add that to my game. Um, but some common players I do watch a lot is like Carmelo, um, watch a lot of LeBron, Jason Tatum, um, I like Anthony Davis, just, just tall, you know, versatile forwards. I think I fall in that category, but I also think I'm unique in my own way. So Duke Sam, fans are, Sam, are very no, happy. Sam, I've yeah, got, go
1: ahead. I've got no problem. If, if Paulo happens to be as good as those guys, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. I was going to say Duke <laughs> fans,
0: Duke fans only have fond memories of Jason Tatum in his one year in a, in a Duke uniform. So if that's how it turns out for you, Paulo, that would be, that would be fantastic. I got one more question about you sort of coming into the season. How did you uh, spend your time during the pandemic? I know that high school seasons were all disrupted in different ways uh, throughout the country. So how were you able to stay engaged with the game and and grow during this season
3: that during the last year that was so unpredictable? Yeah, so we played in the state championship on a Saturday night and uh, we got let out of school for the COVID virus on the following, I think, Monday or Tuesday. So we had just finished our season right when it all um, hit and everything started getting canceled and shut down. Um, But luckily, um, unlike most people, I had a gym I could get into from the jump. So from that point on, like from that Tuesday till now, like I've been in the gym every day in the same gym, um, working out, working on my game. And just from, from looking back, it was like this time last year was when I first started getting in the gym um, during the pandemic, and just seeing how how much better I've gotten from my junior season to now, um, it's been you know it's been crazy just seeing you know all the work I put in really you know shows that you know you put in the work it's gonna show.
0: Um, Have you been in touch with the Duke staff at all about things that you should be working on before you head to Durham?
3: uh yeah no they always you know that's part of the reason why I came to Duke because while they was recruiting me even before I was committed you know they was giving me pointers and giving me advice and telling me what I could work on or what I was looking good at but what I could um, do better at um but to be specific you know to working on my ball handling working on my shooting um which I really really worked on those two things was the emphasis I would say coming in um during this pandemic was ball handling and, and shooting um and then Coach K, you know, just telling me to try and play against smaller guards when I can, if I can, you know, when I'm in the gym because I work out with other people. So trying to guard smaller guards, trying to um, bring the ball up the court against smaller guards just so I get used to that. Because in college, you know, he's you know, I'm going to have the ball in my hands and I might, there might, might be times where I switch and stuff like that. So just being able to operate with, with whoever, with whoever guarding me.
1: Paulo, I'm going to jump in now, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your recruitment specifically. You, you mentioned talking to Coach K. What, what was it that sold you on Duke? Uh, you know, t- take us through the decision process there. Because, look, you were a guy; you could have gone to any program in the country. We we think you made the right choice. How do you know? <laughs> How do you yeah, know Duke I mean, was the right choice?
3: Um, yeah, now my recruitment it was it was hard. Growing up, I always dreamed of being recruited like the the way I was. Um, it was surreal. And for a long, long time it was it was like dead even between like four schools, I would say. Like I couldn't, I literally couldn't like pick which school I wanted to go to.
1: Can I ask which four they were?
3: Yeah, it was uh it was Tennessee, Gonzaga, um, Kentucky, and Duke was the four that I just couldn't even choose from for the longest time. Um and then towards the summer, I would say towards it when uh, when the NBA bubble started. Um Coach K would text me during the games. He was texting me every day. He was the only head coach who would text me every single day. And uh, we would talk. He would talk about the games that was being played, you know, how. And, like, he would just analyze the game with me, and we would just talk about the game that's going on. Um, If anybody followed me on Twitter, that's just really all I do is just talk basketball. So me and Coach K would just talk basketball. Um, And then, you know, during that time also, they had just really, like, started just kind of pushing, you know, just really, like, letting me know how much they wanted me, how how much they wanted to coach me, wanted me to come there. You know, Coach K would tell me, you know, I'm a, I'm a pro regardless of where I go. But he felt like, you know, with me being in his hands, I could be the best pro if I went to Duke. So um, just hearing that and, and talking with the rest of the staff, um, they ended up separating themselves.
1: You know, we sometimes hear that Coach K is sort of the closer that there are guys on his staff who sort of take the lead initially on recruiting. And then when it comes time to get the commitment, Coach K is the guy who comes in. Uh, you know, who are the other guys who are involved in your recruitment? And and, and w- did it work that way for you?
3: Yeah, Coach Shire was um, the main one. Um, he, that was the one who would text me from day one. Um, I would say that's the coach who I'm the closest to. I'm on the staff, um, but I but I have good relationships with all the coaches. Um, coach Carwell talks to my mom all the time. Uh, My mom and Coach Carroll have a real good relationship. Um, Coach Nolan Smith, me and him talk often, too. Um, Coach Nate, James, you know, all the coaches. Um, But Coach Shire um, was the main coach. And yeah, to answer your question, Coach K, it was kind of like that. Um, Like I said, when the bubble rolled around, you know, like I said, he was texting me every day. Um, No other head coaches was texting me every day. Um, And, yeah, he definitely got – that's funny that you say that because that's how it happened
1: the rumors are true then. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I want to ask a little bit about another recruiting topic, which is there are some other guys out there that that Duke is interested in. Um, uh, do you communicate very much with other you know top tier players? Are you talking to Trevor Keels? Are you talking to Patrick Baldwin? Um, you know are you trying to bring in a, a super class here to Duke?
3: Yeah, uh, Trevor is if you guys you guys probably know Trevor commits on Sunday. Yep. Um so me, I'm just I've been texting him a lot. We was just on the live video together. What was that Monday? We was on live together on Monday. Um, so I'm just trying to say my little last piece, you know, put my little last word and he probably he knows where he's going already. So hopefully it's us. Um and yeah, we'll see Sunday. Um, and then I'll be I'll be texting um Patrick all the time as well, trying to, you know, put my little piece in, um, but not try and bug him, you know, because obviously I've been through that process and, you know, you don't want to be bugged. Um, but, you know, just trying to tell them, you know, Hey, we, we could be special and things like that.
1: I, can, last question I have about recruiting. Well, was it fun or was it a burden? I mean, you, you talk about not wanting to bug a guy. Um, I, you, you probably had dozens upon dozens of coaches and then hundreds of fans and journalists and such once it was all behind you did you miss it or, or were you thrilled to be done with that craziness
3: no it's uh so at first you know when you got the date you got the date when you're uh, when you're a sophomore gonna when you're going into your junior you got the date where they can the coaches can finally reach out to you on the phone and stuff and so that first night um i remember baylor called me at midnight and uh, I heard from Baylor at midnight and then that whole day I was hearing from everybody I heard from Duke I heard from like 40-something schools probably 50 schools um offers rolling in, stuff like that so that's the most exciting um but not nah, definitely towards like this summer this past summer it was definitely starting to get a little stressful uh just when I had to narrow down like I said to those four schools I knew I was getting closer but I couldn't decide um but once Duke separated themselves and I chose Duke, it was a, it was definitely a relief having that off, off your back.
1: Yeah. And, and we're thrilled at the decision you made. <laughs> so, Paula, I want to shift
2: to Duke and this team specifically. Obviously, this year for us was a difficult season where, you know, we weren't in the NCAA tournament. We're hoping to start another streak next year uh, when you're on campus. Did you keep in touch with any of the current Duke players and throughout the season, just kind of talk to him? Because I know it's been difficult for them to navigate, and know it was difficult for you to also navigate your path as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I was already, um, I was already pretty close with uh, DJ and um, Jalen Johnson um, on the high school scene. You know, we we were cool. Um, I would say those two and Mark Williams was probably the mo- most common ones that I talked to. Um, but I've talked to Jeremy before. I've talked to um, talked to Henry. So uh, yeah, those those five I've all talked to. Um, oh, I've talked to Matt and Joey too. Um, Matt Hurt and Joey Baker. Um, but I would say the closest was I was with was DJ and Mark.
2: And speaking of Mark, you know, Mark, we all were really proud of just the tremendous effort that he showed in improving from the start of the season till when we got to the point where. He was a, you know a bona fide star at towards the end of the season. How much are you looking forward to playing together with him, and how do you think your games will uh, coincide on the court?
3: Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. I knew Mark was the beast, you know I just knew it was just a matter of time before he got his feet under him. Um, I played against him on the AU circuit, saw him multiple times on the AU circuit, and he was a monster, so you know, I, that wasn't even surprising, you know, seeing what he was doing. It was just a matter of time. I and mean, yeah, next year um, I got you know I'm nothing but excited you know because with a big body like him, he's seven one, super long, super active, can move better than a lot of people think. He understands the game too, knows how to play. Um, and, you know, us two in the front court, um, I think you know it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams.
2: And and also for just next year, you you talked about how you would play with them. What is your expectation for your role next year? Do you? Are you ready to walk in and, and you know, hopefully compete for a starting job? Do you have any expectations or, or just how do you use that to kind of elevate your game to what is going to be necessary on the college level?
3: Yeah, no, um, I definitely, you know, expect myself to play well. Um, you know, I trust the coaches, trust Coach K, trust everybody else, trust what they have planned for me. Um, you know, I'm not going to come in there with any, with any um, you know, expectations or feeling like I deserve anything. You know, I'm going to come in here and work for everything. Um, you know, I'm going to buy in to the team and stuff like that because, you know, outside of I only really have a lot of personal goals going into college. I just want to, you know, get Duke back on that stage, get Duke back into the final four, get us to the today's championship and stuff like that. So, um, but Amen, I know, that, brother,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I know while doing that though, I'll be, you know, in order for us to do that, I have to play well and, uh, as a team, we got to play well. So, um, you know, I expect my role to be a big role, but, you know, to also, you know, be within the team.
0: Paulo, I want to uh, ask you one question about the Final Four this weekend, and I, and I want to bring it back because you mentioned that Gonzaga was one of the schools that you were interested in, and and I'm not trying to talk you out of going to Duke and going to Gonzaga, but can you <laughs> talk to me a little bit about the the relationship with them, and you know, I, I know that you're from up in Seattle, and, and so mm-hmm. Gonzaga's not nearly as far away from you as Duke is uh, and the, just the way that Gonzaga has come on this season and how well they've played. What, what, what do you, what do you attribute that to? And, and and how cool is that?
3: Yeah, no, it is cool. Um, Gonzaga. That's a program that, that I admire, you know, it was, it was, like I said, it was one of my top schools. Um, And yeah, it's no surprise that they are where they are. Um, You know, they're really starting to get five stars and top players to go there now, which makes them even scarier because, they were in the final four and they were in the Elite eight and stuff like that before five, they were getting five-star recruits. Um, And yeah, it's it's a program, man. It's a machine over there. You know, since Spokane, it's like five hours away. It's kind of a small town, but they just, they just, you know, they got a formula. Um, Coach Few and the rest of that staff, they're, they're offensive masterminds. You know, they really understand the game space and you watch them play. They move the ball. Nobody's playing selfish. Um, And yeah, they're impressive to watch for sure. You picking them to
0: win it all this weekend?
3: I got them beating UCLA, but I might have to go with Baylor. I don't know. I don't all right. Know. Okay. That's for be the Titans, well, but we'll see.
0: We we will see. We yeah. will see. All right. Well, um, Paula, thank you so much for joining us on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke fans get excited to see this guy in a Duke uniform in a few months. It is going to be a fun season with him, and we look forward to that. So thanks very much for for taking the time to to chat with us today
3: no nah, thank you guys for having me on here
0: all right so thanks again to paulo Bancaro for joining us on the duke basketball report podcast i think everything you heard from him is exciting and he's going to be a great player, hopefully for the blue devils next season. But I want to get a couple of thoughts from you guys on that interview. So Donald, I'll come to you first. Give me one takeaway
2: or one thing you're excited about after you heard from Paulo Banquero. the chemistry that he's going to have with big Mark Williams. You know, he talked a lot about him and, and how he, uh, really, you know, know, knows him very well that he talks to him a lot. That chemistry is going to be great. We always talk about the chemistry of the backcourt. We did that last week when Trevor Keels committed to Duke. Uh, and he, you know, if, if you, were, we recorded this right before that announcement. And so we were able to see after this interview, uh, his react, Paulo Bancaro's reaction to Trevor Keels committing. And he seemed excited about that as well. So the chemistry is there, the brotherhood, the brand is strong. I'm really enjoying that and, and really looking forward to seeing him on the court. I can't wait to see him on the court.
0: Jason, I think we, we heard from a young man who is somewhat wise beyond his years. What did you think of, of Paulo
1: Banquero? So the thing I really liked from it was uh, him talking about uh, his interactions with Coach K. Um, and specifically Coach K telling him, play against guards. I thought that was a fascinating thing for Coach K to tell a a guy who's obviously a big man. Coach K said, you know, you need to work on, you know, your ball handling, your fundamentals and playing against guards is the best way to do that. And Paolo told us, you know, his mother has always told him that he needs to play like a guard, that she played in the WNBA and she taught him proper fundamentals. I think that's all great to hear. And I was also very interested that he said that K was texting him, Coach K was texting him almost every day during the NBA season talking about NBA games and that that was the way to Paulo's heart. <laughs> the, bubble. Big, the bubble yeah. works. Yeah. And, that, you know, Coach K, I guess, figured out or Coach K also is very interested in in the NBA. And that, that was the way that he had sort of won Paulo over. I thought that was really cool.
2: Also, I thought what was really cool is that he kind of confirmed what we have suspected and kind of known for years that Coach K is the closer. Uh, that, you know, when it comes to the, to the ball game, he has, he said, you know, Shire, he worked, talks with him, talks to him a lot. He said, he talks well his staff and Nolan Smith, but in the ninth inning is coach K coming to the mound and he's got the heat. So uh, I think that was really cool to see kind of how that progresses in the mind of a top recruit. And like you said, Jason, how he, he said that coach K interact with him in a way that other coaches did it. Just talking about the game and just talking about him being a sponge and learning some of these intricacies of the game and how, how they were able to kind of vibe on that is a great thing. So it's cool to see how that recruiting process happens from his side of things, from the recruit side of things and how coach cake kind of fits into that puzzle. It is apparently working.
0: And we recorded that interview, like we said last week before Trevor Keels's announcement and follow told you on the, on the show, how much he's working on, on Trevor Keels. And clearly it worked and that, that they're excited to be playing together. I, I think that the, the Point you made, Donald, about how excited Paulo is to play with Mark Williams is is great and dovetails perfectly with what Jason was saying about Paulo playing on the perimeter. College basketball these days is not about having two big men in the post uh, battling for rebounds. It's about one big man max being down there. And we know Mark Williams is going to handle that for Duke. Mark Williams is unlikely to be taking three pointers next year, which means that Paulo Bancaro is probably going to be taking three pointers. We've seen a little bit of that in his highlight reel. We know that he's working on that sort of thing. And I think that that should be getting Duke fans excited as we expect to be saying goodbye to Matthew Hurt. Hopefully we've got a bigger, stronger version of him coming in in Paulo Banqueiro next year. But before we go today, I know Jason has a story for us, speaking of recruiting, about a potential transfer that that Duke is interested in or that Duke has, has made some contact with. Jason, what's the latest on the transfer front?
1: Uh, yeah, so the guy I'm talking about is a former player for Furman in the Southern Conference. It is power forward Noah Gurley, uh, 6'8", about 210 pounds, a, a really nice, stretch four, stretch power forward. He's someone who goes outside and can shoot the three-pointer really well. Um, Gurley uh, has been, um, both after his sophomore and his junior seasons, he was second team all Southern Conference, uh, about 15 points per game last year, close to six rebounds per game. Um, a guy who has pretty good handle. He's known as a good two-way player. I mean, he, he has a reputation as a very good defender. Um, and uh, he, he is one of the most high-profile recruits, uh, not recruits, but transfers out there in the portal. Um, Duke has been listed among his final eight finalists. There are a bunch of SEC schools on there. Miami is also on there. Um, uh, you know, schools like Florida, Marquette, Sach- Shaka Smart's been very interested in him. And he's listed Duke as one of his finalists and, and the Blue Devils apparently have been, have been after him at least a little bit. Uh, we're going to get an announcement from him in the next several days. Um, and I, I think, first of all, because of the, the COVID year, wherever he goes, he will have two years, uh, which, which is really nice. Um, and, and while I, you know, ordinarily you would think this is a guy who's looking for playing time at a, at a high major program um, and, you know, playing time is not immediately obvious at Duke for, for someone like him because Paolo Banquero and Mark Williams are Duke's bigs and he would, you know, he would fall in line behind those two guys almost certainly. Uh, but but you can see a role for him, and be, again because he would have a couple years, you know, I guess you would see sort of a a backup role next year, and potentially a much larger role um, in, in his final year of college. One thing I want to note about him that that makes me very interested potentially in Duke landing him is uh, he's already he took a redshirt year his his first year he was at Furman. He's already uh, 21. He'll be 22 later this summer. So this is a guy who would be you know, 22, 23, almost 24 years old in his two years at Duke. A man um, who could really you know, help teach Duke's young boys how to play at this level. Um, and I think he's a, you know, he's a very intriguing prospect. And I'm, I'm hoping that Duke is successful in the transfer portal. I want Duke to get to 10 recruited players. Um, we're currently at, at most of the expectations are that we're going to be at eight. Because Matthew Hurt's probably going to leave, um, uh, and and in fact, uh, you know this other sort of note about Gurley is the fact that Duke is going hard after Gurley. I think tells you some things about Matthew Hurt because I, I I don't think we'd be pursuing him if we thought Matthew Hurt was coming back to Duke. It, it doesn't make sense from a roster construction standpoint to bring in a guy like Gurley uh, as your fourth big man, um, and, and and so I, I feel like. The fact that Duke is after him tells you a lot about how Duke feels about whether or not Matthew Hurt's going to be going to the NBA draft.
0: Donald, any thoughts on Gurley or the, or the rest of Duke's current recruiting situation?
2: Yeah, I think with Gurley, you bring in a couple of things that we were lacking, you know, off the bench, a guy who's a stretch for, you know, we've seen with Matthew Hurt, Jason, you mentioned that this would be kind of a, a similar style of player, Uh, but having that off the bench is great because That is a dynamic that a lot of people don't have on their bench, a stretch four who can come out to the perimeter and shoot and draw out a big man so that the floor is spaced wide open. So having that off the bench would be great. And the other thing that was missing from this team last year was leadership experience. Like you said, this guy's 20, uh, 21 going on 22. He's going to have a lot of experience. He's going to have a, he'll bring that leadership style quality and be able to teach some guys just how to play in college he may not be able to teach a guy how to play Duke basketball. He's going to learn that on his own, but he will be able to teach guys what it's going to take to prepare and, and excel in college. And I think having that leadership is something that every championship team has having that leadership, having that experience, he could be one of those guys, even if it's in a bench role coming off the bench and being a spark plug for five to 10 minutes at a time. If we have that on our team, that's a market improvement for what we had coming off our bench last year with a little bit more experience. So I think those two qualities are are a great thing to have. And I think that's why he's being pursued.
0: So we will keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye, of course, on Matthew Hurt and any other news coming out of Duke. As we mentioned yesterday, coming up later this week, the second episode of Return to Glory, the story of the 2001 championship team that the, the podcast series that Jason has been working so tirelessly on the last few months. So you'll get that. Stay in touch with us. Don't forget dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Any of your questions or comments, we've gotten a lot of great content uh, on that front recently, and we still have the survey open. Like we said, that the, there's not necessarily a time when we're going to close it. So, and, and we see that folks are still trickling in to answer questions for us. Tinyurl.com slash survey. All of your thoughts about the Duke basketball report podcast, you can send to us in an anonymized form. So that is great. But, Uh, Until next time, for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 305, shout out to Miami, of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Duke Band, take us home. Sorry in advance. I am. I think I'm like getting hit by allergies right now. So I am. I feel disgusting at the moment, and maybe I'm going to make some gross sneezing sounds. <laughs> but we'll see.
1: Hey, hey, that's that's got nothing. I just got my second vaccine shot about two hours ago. Oh I'm no! Probably, <laughs> so I'm you're going to pass, pass out?
0: Yeah, got speed, sir. All right, here we go.
1: Hello, how are you, sir? Good. I, Come I on, have, man. I got to tell you, man. I'm. I'm surprised. We're used to seeing you with more hair.
3: Yeah, what happened to the hair? <laughs> yeah, I had to I, I just felt like cutting it off. I've been growing it out for like two years. And it was starting to dread and some more. I didn't take good care of it. Usually it's curly, but um it, I didn't take good care of it, so it was dreaded. And then I just decided to cut it. But by the time I'm playing for Duke, though, it should be I have some hair back on my head. I was head. gonna say, because we the there last few
0: years we've gotten used to Duke guys having having cool hair. So, you know, don't don't ruin that for us. <laughs> Dude, dude, um, not
1: not that you look bad, you look great. <laughs> <no>. <laughs>